that this podcast contains potentially sensitive topics, including drug abuse, sex trafficking, domestic violence, and other conditions of human suffering. Listener discretion is advised. Part of our old history. You never know if there's a bear behind the tree. And that translates into greed, I think. Fear and greed are uh, in each other's extension. The streets are unforgiving. They'll teach you a lot of good stuff, and they'll teach you a lot of shitty stuff. But they are not forgiving. Now it's very sneaky, you know, it's like, um, it's insidious. Part of the reason I started using heroin more is because the speed sucked. The speed nowadays, all the meth sucks. All of it. It's really weird to talk to you about this. It's really weird to talk seriously about it. To you about, um, how I've wasted my life. <laughs> it's just really weird. I'm used to the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. And we've just lost that. We're no longer a people anymore. We're races, we're cultures, we're, you know, we're segregated, we're separated from each other's types of compassion. People don't think about the nuance and the gray between the black and white of a situation. It's just, my bike was stolen, that must be a terrible person. I'm really angry. I'm going to call the police. I'm Rex Holbein, and welcome to You Know Me Now, a podcast conversation that strives to amplify the unheard voices around us as a means for better addressing today's community issues. We do this out of respect for each and every person struggling. It's important that we stop dividing and start uniting. This begins by listening to each other, specifically listening to those that have been pushed away. For the past 12 years, I have met and spent time with thousands of folks living homeless. Countless life-changing for me friendships were gained. I learned how destructive and baseless the dehumanizing effects of the negative stereotype are against ordinary people who are just like you and me. People who are trying to survive day to day without basic needs being met. People who are suffering through trauma, often beginning early in childhood. People who have so often been simply thrown away. Why do we do this to each other? Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't believe it is because we lack compassion. Far from it. I think it's simpler and more reversible than that. In short, we are just not coming close enough to each other to feel the other person's worth. When we are across the street from someone who is different from us, or that challenges us, as in homelessness, our brains fill us with intellectual questions. What are they doing there? Why do they have all that garbage? Are they using drugs? Or maybe the most important question of all, am I safe? However, when we take the time to cross the street, to come closer, 
the intellectual questions are joined by emotional ones, such as, are you okay? My name is Rex, what is yours? Or, is there anything I can do to be of service to you? We need both our intellectual and emotional questions to gain the necessary full understanding of each person we interact with. In other words, we need to first connect. To do this, we need to come closer. We are beginning this podcast as a place for all of us to come closer. It is a place to better understand each other so that we can value each other more and ultimately take better care of each other. It would be naive to believe that we can rid our world of conflict, but we do believe that we can learn to resolve these moments of conflict in a peaceful, loving manner through the process of seeing each other more fully. Each person who shares their story here will highlight what they feel is necessary to share and for you to hear. The hope is that a conversation of respect, inquiry, and compassion will follow. This type of engagement provides the necessary building blocks for equitable and long-lasting solutions. We all have something to offer, and we all have something to receive. We won't find out what that is unless we come closer and begin the conversation. What are we waiting for? There's some things that happen in a person's life that change the way that you operate and the way that you think. And even though I went through a horrifying experience, instead of having support and nurturing, compassionate empathy from the people that should love me unconditionally, instead, I was kicked out of my house by my mom, who told me that I was every every disgusting thing that any woman would never want to be called. I wasn't always out here. I used to own a house. I was married and all that good stuff. I've owned my own business, tree service. There was, there was something that was attractive to this life for a while, but that's all faded and gone. It's just, it's amazing the power of community when you can find a way to connect the people on the streets with the community, that's gold. It's done so much for me. The life I'm living today is, I, I couldn't imagine it five years ago. You know, when I was homeless, I could not imagine being here where I'm at today. I wouldn't miss the streets, but I don't know how to do it inside. I don't know, I don't know how to do it inside. That's the biggest fear I have, is I don't know how to be inside. What's going through your head when you're getting dressed at Target, you're watching and observing, and you know that you're kind of getting groomed to be sold. But I was just like trying to survive, and I was like, I had the blinders on, basically. You just gotta keep moving forward, and you can't think about anything that's going on or what's happening to you, you just gotta keep going forward. It's like when you're climbing a ladder and you can't look down. Yeah, that kind of sucks, but I made a lot of money. 10 bucks a minute to hang out with me. 10 bucks a minute? 10 minutes minimum. You know, your brain is only in the moment as much as it needs to be. You're going to a happy place, but the happy place is just nothing. When I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck, I haven't eaten all day, but I'm like tired of asking for food. And I'm like, just hi, you know, like, hey, what's up? Like, how are you doing today? Like, have a nice day. What makes me happy is when I'm sitting out there on the streets, was that hoping somebody today would hopefully acknowledge me 
not just acknowledge me as in like, here's a couple bucks, like acknowledge me, like see me for who I am. Why are we doing this? You know, is this right? Are we going to go to jail? Are we going to be taken away? You know, when are we going to eat? Just everything you can think of. Mommy, when are we going to be in a bed? I couldn't, I couldn't leave three kids alone so that I could go panhandle with my husband, you know what I mean? So we would all be out there, all of us, sitting on the side of the road. It was this hopeless, helpless, worst feeling of my life. You know, just having to expect other people to give me their hard-earned money to take care of my family, I felt like the biggest piece of shit. It's something that's going to happen. People are hungry. The entire premise of Les Mis was about stealing bread because you're hungry. And now we're back to the same thing, you know, where we're living, where we're dealing with people that are so marginalized that that's, it's a realistic option for them. But they're about to be kicking everybody out here in about a week. Oh, they're going to sleep in about a week? Yeah. It's kind of scary. You know, where to go from here? We've been here for like eight months. Where do you think you'll go? I don't know. I thought that they were going to get housing, but I don't think they are. At least not for the people up here. There's a lot of people up here. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the problem is. A lot of people don't understand just how many people there is at this park. Like, they can't just go and give housing to all of those people, you know? As sad as that is. Well, if they're going to give you housing, they would have to start case management. Has anybody reached out to you? No. And at the moment, I'm living in a fucking tent that is rat-infested, and I'm addicted to a combination of drugs that would uh, fucking kill me if I didn't have them. Like, literally, like, I could end up dead. Seattle's a little hypocritical as a city. I can remember coming and just closing my eyes and breathing it all in, you know, and, and feeling this deep, just warm happiness. There was no judgments and no class system, and no worries, man. I'm looking around now, you know, six years, seven years later almost, and that is such bullshit that there's no worries. This city is so fucking full of worries. It is blind, if anything. And it's so full of hatred and bigotry and, and greed, just total greed. They need to pick up their things. They need not leave needles around. They need to make sure that their surroundings are very proper and nice and, and you know, make it containable, not gross and bringing a whole bunch of garbage to it. I understand their views because they see that, and, and, but that's the only thing they see. They don't see other reasonings. They don't understand the reasonings why. Find out the reasons why you don't know. So it's like I'm not homeless because I I'm irresponsible or a major drug addict. I understand there's a lot of people here that have mental issues, physical issues, struggles with things. People out here that gripe about stuff that oh I want my park back. I was appalled when I seen these post boards stating that. We're polluting the, the lake. We're, we're destroying this and destroying that. They're segregating us and, and not knowing the facts and the reasons why these people are here. I'm here because I can't afford the rent. I can't afford the rent here. It's impossible. We, even with two incomes that are the same amount, we still can't afford it. 
I mean, there's people here that work daily, go to their job, but they don't make enough to live in a home. What you just heard was a sampling of voices from upcoming episodes. Tomas and I are excited for all the future conversations this content will bring. In the meantime, while we continue to put this endeavor together, we invite you to join this community on our Facebook page and to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them. We also have a website at www.youknowmenow.com where you can put a face to the voices you hear and also read other stories of people we believe you'll want to get to know. I'll close by sharing a bit about my good friend Dinkus McGank. Dinkus grew up on the Olympic Peninsula and worked for years as a logger. Everything came to an end for him when a runaway log hit him in the middle of his back. He was medevac to Harborview Hospital in Seattle, died on the way, brought back to life, had surgery, and was then released to the streets with no job or housing. We became friends when he moved onto the bench along the ship canal below my architecture office in the Fremont neighborhood. He lived there for about two years before getting housing, and then shortly after, he passed away. His memorial celebration along the canal was attended by many who had been touched by Dinkus and his unique zest for life. One of his often repeated messages to those around him was, If you aren't making one person smile a day, what are you doing?